0: Well, if you have your Bible today, open to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, the title of today's message is Don't Miss the Point. Luke chapter 15, Don't Miss the Point. We'll skip ahead in our verse-by-verse study of Luke 15 to deal with this passage today. Luke chapter 15, we'll start reading in verse 11 and read down through verse 32. Don't miss the point. Luke fifteen eleven. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But i perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. But while he was, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. When his son of, but when this son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. Don't miss the point. Now, we know Jesus was a master storyteller throughout the Gospels. On occasion after occasion, Jesus would tell these stories that often he made up in order to communicate a spiritual truth to his disciples. And there's probably no more popular of Jesus' stories than the one that we've read this morning. It's known as the parable of the prodigal son. There's no shortage of Bible studies and sermons and devotionals and things that are shaped by what has happened in this story. However, this story of Jesus's is also one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted stories that Jesus told. Most often, we put way too much emphasis on the prodigal son. In this way, the little headings that we have in our Bible, you know where it says the parable of the prodigal son, you all know that that's not inspired by God, right? Some person just tried to help us out by describing that passage. Listen, the point of this story is not the prodigal son. The story of the point of this story is the gracious father that's the point of the story that Jesus was talking about here that there is a father who receives back the prodigal son and extends to him grace favor that is not deserved but tells us about who God really is so that the role of the prodigal son in the story is only as good as it displays the grace of the father. That's the point of the prodigal son, to show us the grace of the father. But there were two sons. And for us this morning in this room, in this context, maybe the older brother speaks more to our situation. Because as we'll see, the actions of the older brother reveal another side of the grace of the loving father. Now, to order, in order to understand the key to this story, we have to understand Jesus didn't tell these stories in a vacuum, right? There were occasions, there was a situation going on that led Jesus to tell this story. So look back in chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Here's what's happening. Chapter 15, 1 and 2, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, that is to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. See, here's what's happening. Jesus is claiming to be God. He's teaching with authority. And these religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they hear his teaching. They hear his claims. But they're watching him. And you can almost envision in your mind that these religious leaders are peeking around corners of buildings, and looking through cracks in the walls to see that Jesus is sitting with people who don't look like religious people. Jesus is sitting down with tax collectors and with sinners. So for the Pharisees and the scribes, they're confused by this, and they start this action Luke describes as grumbling. You can hear them, right? They're dressed in all their garb and you can hear them whispering to one another, look at who Jesus is with. Jesus is sitting with these people. He's sitting with the tax collectors, the thieves, the sinners. What's going on with this? How can these things be? And it's in response to this grumbling that Jesus tells these stories. And in this chapter, we have three of them. Right, Jesus starts with the parable of the lost sheep. Remember, hundred sheep. The man who has the hundred has one that gets away. And the scripture says he leaves the ninety-nine to go find the one that has gone away. And look in verse five, what happens when he finds the lost sheep. When he has found it, he lays the sheep on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and says, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. So here's the pattern. Something is lost. A search happens. It's found, and then there's a celebration. So that's the parable of the lost sheep. Now you have the parable of the lost coin. Or you have this woman, she has these silver coins. She loses one in her home. So she basically turns her house upside down to find the one lost coin. And look what happens in verse 9 when she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together with her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that was lost. You see it? Lost, search, found, rejoice. Rejoice. Then we get the parable of the prodigal son. This story about how the younger brother went to his father and said, Dad, let's just pretend like you've already died. And go ahead and give me my inheritance. So the father does it. And before we know it, it says in the, the passage, not many days later, the younger brother gathers all of his father's stuff. Now remember, in that day, there wasn't loads of cash. So an inheritance that would be passed on to his son would be things like livestock, the family business, those kinds of things. So the father gives the younger son his inheritance. From what we can tell in the passage, the younger son liquidates all of his father's assets. He just turns them into cash. And he goes, says, to a place afar off, and he wastes it all. For he even knows it. The money goes quick, and he has nothing left. To the point where he's having to be hired by pig farmers, and he's so hungry that he's desiring to eat pig slop, and no one would even give him that. So the passage says, in this beautiful way, the son comes to his senses. He understands, I'm at the end of my rope, but I've still got my dad. So he goes back home. The father greets him and welcomes him and throws this celebration. What an awesome picture of our gracious God. Even though the son had done all of these things, the father received him back. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus continues to tell the story that while the party is going on in the house, the older brother comes back and you can see him looking around the corner or seeing in the the window what is going on here. And his response is a response of grumbling. He begins to grumble. You see what Jesus is doing here with the story? He's putting the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leader right into the story in the role of the older brother. And what we'll see is this. The older brother has three major sins that causes him to miss the point of what his father is doing. Three major sins that causes him to miss the point. And this is a message for us today that we must consider so that we don't miss the point as well. The first sin of the older brother is this. The sin of anger. The sin of anger. As the story opens in verse 11, it says, There was a man who had two sons. And as we've said, that man, the father, is the central figure of the story. And while the first half of the story focuses on the foolish living of the prodigal son, it only does so to show us the grace and the patient love of the father when he returns home. So the climax of the story is really when The younger brother comes back and there's the reunion and the celebration. But the real point of the parable is not realized until the celebration of the homecoming and prodigal comes and the older brother sees what's going on. Look in verse 25. The older son was in the field And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, your brother has come, your father has killed the fatted calf, because he he has received him back safe and sound. Look, but he was angry and refused to go in. Now... From what we can tell, the older brother has been out in the field working, and he's returned back to the house, probably tired and hungry, and he sees there's a party going on in the house. And instead of saying to the servant, hey, why'd y'all leave me out in the field? Why didn't somebody come and get me and tell me we're about to have a party because my Younger brother has come back home. Instead, it says he gets angry and boycotts the party. It says, I'm angry and I'm not going in there. I'm not going to show my support for what's happening inside there. Wow. But why is he angry? What does the older brother have to be angry about? Well, from what we can tell, it doesn't seem like he's angry at his brother for coming home. Instead, he's angry because his father has overlooked the mistakes and the foolishness of his younger brother. In other words, he says, this is an injustice. Father, he deserves Punishment. He deserves to be looked at and to be told how foolish were you. And instead of doing that, you've received him in like nothing ever happened. Well, there's something wrong here, Dad. What are you doing? The father responds back at the end of verse 28. Says his father came out and entreated him. His father came out to him and talked to him now a part of me wonders why didn't the father just say look if he's gonna act like that just let him stay out in the field right but that's not the kind of God that we have he he's a gracious God he pursues us in this section of Scripture the father initiates initiates the search party to go out and find the brother, which begs the question, in this story, which brother is actually the lost brother? The father only goes looking for one of them. Which brother is the brother that is truly lost? The one that actually needs restoration? The bottom line of this parable is this warning. You ready for it? You can be in the house and still separated from the Father. You can be in the house and still separated from the Father. Look, the older brother never left the house. He never went out from what we can tell and wasted his life on reckless kinds of living but the truth be told from the story he's just as lost as his younger brother he has missed the point about who the father is you'll remember that in jesus's sermon on the mount he talked about this same thing in matthew chapter 27 he says not all that say to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven." That in the last days, some people will come to Jesus and say, look, we prophesied in your name and we did these many wonderful works and Jesus will look at them and say, you never left the house, but I still never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. The fact that you've never gone to the far country of reckless living does not mean you are right with God. That's the truth of the story. The older brother was so angry at the father. How can we know if we have this kind of anger that we're harboring In our hearts. Well, Jesus says it like this in this story. Look, if you've been gripped by the grace of God, if you have received the work of God and the grace of God, and if we know what that is, when somebody else experiences it, we celebrate. Because we know it. We've experienced it in our life. But look, if you can't celebrate a lost person being saved by God, what Jesus is saying in this story is this. Maybe you've never experienced the grace of God. Maybe you don't know him. Just like the older brother didn't know his father. He missed the point, number one, because of anger. He missed the point, number two, because of sinful pride. Look at it at the last part of Or sorry, starting in verse 29. Anger and pride. His father comes out to talk to him. In verse 29, look what he says. But he answered his father, look. Now I don't know about you, but if I would have talked to my dad like that, listen to his tone. Look. These many years. I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Now, what do you notice about that verse? I, me, my, you never gave me. The older brother was prideful. He missed it because... He was all about himself. Look, he may not have gotten caught up in illicit relationships with prostitutes like his younger brother. But he was caught up in an illicit relationship with himself. His problem was self-righteousness. His problem was he thought that if I just do all of these things, that'll earn the favor from my father. Man, how prideful. He says, look, I have served you all these years. That word for serve there is slave. He looks at his dad and says, look, I've been your slave for all these years. So that was part of the problem. He viewed his service to his father as oppressive He viewed the obedient things that his father was asking him to do as stealing from him some kind of joy. He says, Dad, I've been your slave for all these years. I can remember times when growing up, my dad would come home from work and he would come in and make his way to his recliner There in the living room, right? And maybe I was outside or in my room, and he would call for me. And I would go to him and say, Hey, can you, would you go to the refrigerator and get me one of those cokes? And I said, Now, you just walked right past that kitchen (laughs) to come to your chair and sit down, and you wanted to call me out of my room to come. I said that in my head. But I can, I can remember times when, even though I may have never said it out loud, my dad could see from my body language and my attitude that I was saying all I needed to say, and he would just look at me and say, you know what, never mind. And man, as a son, like that kind of crushes you, right? That's the problem with the older brother here. He views his service to the Father not as this joyful obedience, but as this slave work. And look, brothers and sisters, I wonder if sometimes if God doesn't look down at us and see our motivations and see our attitudes and say, you know what, if you're going to come into my house with that kind of attitude, never mind. If you're going to approach serving me with that kind of thought, that's not obedience. That's what happened with the older brother. He was so prideful that he missed the point. Then he goes on. He says, Look, all these years I've been your slave, and the next phrase is what? I have never disobeyed you. Come on, man. Are you serious? A child is gonna have the audacity to look at their parent and say, I've lived a perfect life. I've never disobeyed you one time. What child can do that? There's been one, his name was Jesus, right? The problem with the older, he knew what he had done, but he started playing the comparison game, right? compared to my younger brother. Look, he's gone and done all these things. Compared to him, I'm a saint. I'm an angel. I've never disobeyed one time compared to that guy. Look, before we're too hard on the older brother, let's be careful, because those thoughts can start creeping into our minds, right? Oh, all that talk about the grace of God. All that talk about how he forgives sins. I know so-and-so over here who could really use some forgiveness of God. That's what the older brother's problem was. He had become blind to his own sinfulness. And it caused him to miss the point of how gracious and loving God is. That was the kind of arrogance. We have the ability to sit in church for weeks after week after week and months after months and learn about the grace of God and because we think we don't need it we never receive it into our lives and that's pride that's self righteousness how do we know if that's us well maybe it looks like this maybe you walk down the halls here at church and you have thoughts like this come through your mind, oh, look at that person over there. Man, if people only knew what was going on in that person's life. Or better yet, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, oh, I wish so-and-so were here this morning to hear this message because they could really use it. May we repent of that kind of pride. The grace of God is for all of us. All of us need forgiveness. All of us need restoration. And that's the truth of who God is. The older brother goes on to say, I've been your slave all these years. I've never disobeyed you one time. And you never gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. He says this, my younger brother goes out and wastes everything. He comes home, and what do you do? You go get the USDA prime ribeyes, and you put them on the grill. And I've been here all these years, and you've never taken me through the drive-thru of McDonald's. That's what he's saying. How dare you treat me like that? Look, he was doing things for the father to get a reward out of it. He wasn't doing it out of joy and out of love and out of relationship. He was doing it so what he could receive out the other side. And then in this sarcastic moment, at the beginning of verse 30, he says, but when this son of yours came home. Now he's basically disowning his brother and he's talking to his dad like he doesn't even know his brother. This son of yours, he gets the preferential treatment. What do I deserve? He's full of pride. There was no compassion in his heart. He knew about what the father did, but he failed to see what the father could do for him. And that's how he missed it. He missed it because of anger, He missed it because of pride. And thirdly, he missed the point because of wrong thinking. Let's look at the end of the story, verses 31 and 32. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. The father tells the older brother, Look, you don't have to leave the house to receive my grace. You have relationship with me. You have a connection. You've never left. I've been available to you for all of this time, and you failed to see it. You failed to get it. You've missed the point. Our relationship with God is the point. The point is our relationship with the Father is the core to who we are and what we're about. In Psalm 84.10, Psalmist says, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be the doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. May we not miss the point that we need God's grace and then the father says at the end, 32, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. In a gentle, kind way, the father looks at the older brother and says, look, I don't make mistakes. I don't make mistakes. It was good for us to celebrate. Anytime my grace is extended, we ought to celebrate. Now. I know we're Baptist, and so we may not get to the part of dancing like the father did when the younger brother came home. But, brothers and sisters, when the grace of God is extended to someone else, that ought to be a cause for celebration for us. Every single time, the religious leaders missed it. They said, How can these things be? He can't be sitting with sinners. He can't be associating with these kind of people. And Jesus turns it back on them and says this. If you all would truly experience the grace of God in your own life, you would understand. If you would experience what God can do to sinners by restoring them and making them whole again, you would understand. So here's the question for us this morning. Where are you at in this story? Maybe some of you find yourself in the position of the younger brother. And you've been living for the world. You've tried everything the world has to offer, and it's come up short. The message for you today is this. The Father's come out to entreat you, to extend His grace to you, If you will come to the end of yourself and say, look, I'm not worthy, but I understand that Jesus saves sinners. If you'll confess that to him and if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and died for your sins, you can receive the grace of God today. But maybe others of us find ourselves more in the position of the older brother. Maybe you've been in this church building Year after year, maybe you've never left the house, but you still don't know the Lord. Listen, the same grace is available to you. Repent from, of pride and anger and wrong thinking and give your life to Christ that you may experience the grace of the loving Father. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you are a gracious, loving father who seeks after and searches for the lost. And though, and Lord, for those of us who've experienced that, we say, thank you. We say, we praise you. It's because of your um, work and because of your initiative to rescue us out of our sinfulness, that we can celebrate any time a lost person is found, any time a dead person is made alive. And Lord, maybe there's someone in this room this morning and they find themselves after years of reckless living at the end of themselves. Lord, may today be the day that you save them and you extend to them that grace. Lord, if they would be here and would like to respond, would you give them the courage to come forward and talk talk to one of the pastors who will be here at the front of the room in just a moment. Lord, and for the rest of us, we repent of sin that causes us to miss the point of who you are. Lord, we all need your grace. We're grateful that it's available to each one of us. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.